the express welcome to the express podcast we're so excited for today's guest his name is mark kovacs and is my personal trainer he's experienced many different things from working at gatorade to training elite level athletes across multiple sports on this episode we discuss mainly on my off-season training regimen how we've evolved as a team and how he's made me a better athlete we hope you enjoy back to the express podcast we are fortunate to have my trainer uh mr mark kovacs on with us today Uh, just to give a little background on mark he's got a lot of accolades here so i need to have my ipad out to read them be half the podcast Uh, episode here (laughs) (laughs) uh played tennis at um auburn correct Mm -hmm. coming from australia i don't know if y'all knew this your last year at auburn Mm -hmm. All-American. Yep. NCAA uh, doubles champ. Correct. And were you player of the year as mm-hmm. well? NCAA doubles player of the year. All <laughs> right. Oh, no. Light. Um, then you got your PhD from Alabama. Yeah, which, which is crazy. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about it. Yeah, we'll talk about <laughs> it. Um, but you have been involved with Metis Performance as mm-hmm. president and CEO. Uh, you worked at USTA, which is the United States Tennis Association. You're the co-founder of ITPA, which is the International Tennis Performance Association. You were a director of sports science at Gatorade. You taught at Life University, mm-hmm. and you now run Kovacs Institute. So, with all that being said, welcome, welcome Mark. Mark. Yeah, welcome, 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 Thank welcome. Thank you, all. welcome. Excited to be here with you guys. Um, I guess along this episode, we're just going to focus on kind of our journey together, how we met why we do the things that we do, um, things that we put emphasis on to be able to obviously make me the best athlete that I can be, uh, things that we've seen uh, with me and just trends that we've tried to stay on top of or to manage, um, how we communicate throughout the year, just kind of all things on my performance and what makes me go and tick. So um, just for starters, do you remember how we met? Yeah, no, it's, it's a great story, actually. I was working with um, a, a girl who was involved in the U.S. women's national team, Jane Campbell, and how I met her was a crazy story as well. But uh, we, we were working out, helping her, um, you know, get ready for the season. And then um, Mel was in town um, visiting Dansby. I didn't know Dansby or Mel at that time. And Jane brought her in for a workout because we had a facility. So they came in for a workout. Um, she started working out for a little bit and then Dansby walks in one day, um, and wanted to just talk, just chat. And so mm-hmm. we started chatting and, you know, he can probably tell the story from his perspective, but it was, it was, a it was a strange way that we connected and he took the initiatives because I actually didn't really know who he was. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jane, basically Mal and Jane are really good friends. We were needing a place to train because this was kind of starting to transition back from Nashville. Mm-hmm. You know, I was spending most of my off seasons in Nashville up at Vanderbilt. And then we started changing uh, to be in Atlanta more often. And so uh, Jane, Mal are working out together. Mal comes home, starts telling me about Mark and just the things that they were doing and how she felt that that would, could be a really good connection for me just because of, uh, the things that he's done, how he was approaching the workout, some of the technology that he was using uh, for for Jane would kind of make sense for me as well. So 
came in one day, got Mark uh, connected with a guy named Chris Ham that was our strength and conditioning guy at Vanderbilt. Now he holds a, a higher position with just overall athletic performance. But they got connected and we started talking through my offseason workouts and then slowly started implementing some things that he had seen with me and uh, we just got connected, hit it off, started to really see things through the same lens and have been able to evolve our like program and game together. How so, many years ago was that? 2019 or going, it 18. was off season of so 18. Yeah. 2018. Cause I was still, I still had my, yeah, he had the my, hand issue going on. Past. And yeah, I was lucky cause Dansby came in with a pretty good training base. Chris, Ham did a phenomenal job. You know, his programming was great. So the first year was really just implementing what he was already doing and sort of, you know, tweaking a few things <laughs> on the edges. Uh, so that made it pretty easy. And the nice part about Dansby, and I think why we've been together for so long is, you know, he, he does what he says. It makes it easy for me. We communicate really well, you know, and it's adapted a lot over his, you know, mm -hmm. multiple years. Cause every year you need something different. You know, the body's different, the mind's different you know, the teams are different now. So everything's changed and you got to adapt to the environment. I think the one, the biggest thing that jumped off the page for me early when we started working together was we were talking about swing stuff. I was kind of in this rut of knowing I needed to change my swing, how I was doing things. And Mark was basically saying, he was like, come over to my house and show me some video, send me some clips. We'll talk through them because he understands how the body's supposed to move. And so I go over there and he was asking what I was wanting. What did I like about this certain swing? What, what did I not like about this one? And he started running me through like some mobility tests and some things to say, well, you're beating yourself up over not being able to do this skill. Well, you don't have the physical capability to do the skill in the sense of your body, your hip, your T-spine can't move. So you're, you're getting mad about the result when in reality you need to get essentially mad about not being able to move fluid enough to be able to create that result. Yeah. Because early in the year, yeah, things work good. You know, the body's lubed up and everything's mobile, but as the year goes along, you kind of get beat up along the way. And so understanding how to not only necessarily take care of my body better, but understanding what things actually work for me and putting emphasis on making sure my body can move that way the skill can show up yeah. when it needs to show up and that was like the first time i'd ever really heard how to that, that that's kind of the lens i needed to start looking at it through and it it really made a big difference for me yeah i was kind of curious so before what all sports do you mainly work in and within those sports how much of a different is it like difference is it when you would train maybe let's say a Mallory versus a Dansby obviously the sports are different but yet same similar movements so I don't know if and obviously it's player to player but no I mean it's it's a great question and I think I look at the the athlete through a lens of two aspects one it's their body what can they do and what can't they do currently and what do we need to work on related to what their skills are in their sport so for a hitter for example they've got a lot of rotation and a lot of lower body stability Whereas for Mel, she's got a completely different skill set that she's trying to work through. She's, she needs to be able to run and cut um, and, and decelerate in these movement patterns that she needs. So there's a whole, the programs are 
completely different. There's some obviously needs of general strength and general mobility that pretty much every athlete needs that moves. But in general, the programs are pretty diverse. And most of the my experience has been tennis players, baseball, um, soccer, and golf they're the four that i spend the most time with in the early days i did a lot of different sports i did nfl combine prep when i was younger um so did Work for the Cavs. Go yeah, say, yeah. Did, did a few years in the nba Basketball. with the Cavs as well um i know we got atlanta people here so i gotta <laughs> keep that quiet um but you know so we, from an nba perspective and some some tall guys i've been fortunate i worked with a lot of seven footers as well and that's a whole different world because then it's a lot with the feet and the knees and the lower back and you're trying to protect their asset because they are so big. Um, so working with Dansby is awesome. You know, he's, he's well put together. You know, he's, you know, he's, he's, you know, he's, he's disciplined with his daily work, which, you know, shows up. And it also makes it easy for me because we keep our programming really simple. We were talking about that today, that our programming is about as simple as you can get. It's doing the basics every day and being being consistent. And I think that's where Dansby does it better than just about anyone I've worked with. He's just doing this, the right stuff consistently. Yeah, I think the biggest and easiest way that I look at it is since we kind of made this shift to having Mark run my programs, having some collaboration on thought process and evolution, because early in my career, I struggled with just some weird freakish injuries and not that I'll say that what I was doing training wise was causing that to happen. Cause I think that that is a little silly. I thought there was a little something to it of maybe I'm loading too much. I'm doing potentially too, not too much in the off season, but some complex things that are opening the avenue for my body to have these freakish like injuries. And ever since we started working together and really simplifying program, really, understanding how to move properly. I played all 72 games in the COVID year because that was really the first year we had done stuff. All 72 games, I played 160 at 161 in 2021, played all 162 in 2022, and then minus the heel injury I had last year, which kind of a freakish thing, mm -hmm. you know, I played 145 or whatever it ended up being. So I, I, give a lot of credit to him in that regard because he's gotten my body prepared for that. And then, you know, we've even made adjustments coming into this, you know, 2024 season, just based on the pitch clock, the changes, the, the day game factor. We've done some different things around trying to prepare my body and mind for the year. But I do love how simple we keep everything. It just makes a lot of sense to me. Right. Do the, do simple things best and you get good results and you know, every so often we'll, we'll keep it fun and, and creative, but he knows that my weight room activity is to make me a better baseball player. Like, mm -hmm. I don't want to be the best exerciser. I want to be the best baseball player. And you know, Mark's really good at keeping that in perspective. The coolest thing for me is just kind of what he said about, you know, you know, playing as many games as he's played. Aren't many guys. In, mm -hmm. in the majors that play 162 games. Mm -hmm. So as a coach and someone as part of his team, that's one of the coolest stats for me. Cause yeah. you know, yeah, there's always a little bit of luck involved in that obviously, but you know, he's done the work and you know, doing that for, you know, the way you've done it is, is awesome to see it. Um, but again, you know, he's doing the work. I mean, there are, you know, people ask all the time, how, 
how do the, the best athletes stay healthier? I said, it's the daily work that no one sees. I mean, if you look across all sports, the guys that are the healthiest and have the longest careers, they're doing stuff that most people aren't doing on a regular basis. Yeah. Uh, a good question I would say for the people listening is how does his training throughout the year progress? Because the season is so long and there's so many phases of the season. Obviously you have the summer grind, which also you probably lose most of your weight in the summer, I would assume. And then you have what turns into kind of the end of the season, but then yet post season. So it's kind of interesting because obviously you want your body to be not the best, but the best that it can be come postseason, so you can perform at the level. So how does his training sort of vary between the phases of the season? Yeah. So, I mean, his programming season is, is pretty simple. We sort of map out the weeks based on the games and the travel schedule. And he has a certain sort of standard workout that he'll do. There's like three workouts a week and he'll rotate through those based on where it is in the schedule. And it makes it easy for him because he sort of knows the heavier day, the lighter day, you know, is it a day after travel, you know, things like that. So the schedule gets mapped out and he's done it now enough years. He's, you know, mm -hmm. he's a veteran now. You know? <laughs> yeah. So Old he sort of knows <laughs> sort of <laughs> what works and what doesn't. And sometimes mm -hmm. you adapt, you know, let's say, you know, you have bad night's sleep or something or, you know, a game goes into extra innings and things change the schedule. You know, you, you flip that day to the next day and you just move, move it down the road. So the scheduling plays a big role in how that happens. And then we talk a lot, especially in those periods where he has a lot of games back to back. He doesn't get you know enough off days, or towards you know if it's moving towards um, the end of the season, you know is there things that need to be ramped up a bit? Sometimes the conditioning actually dips a bit because you're just playing so many games. Sometimes it's your strength level. So trying to get as much data as we can, and he's really good because a lot of it's mm. communication. Um, and he knows and he, he, he gets a sense of where things are. So that's the lucky part for me. I ask him more questions than he asks me. And then yeah. we try to adapt from there. The, ske the schedule part is challenging because there's weather, right? Yeah, there's I mean, there's travel, so many things. There's, there's, so, there's so many different variables. Hey, today, you know, I thankfully, you know, had four hits, stole a couple different – like I – worked a lot in game tired it may maybe i go instead of i was going to do maybe a little bit of a heavier trap bar type workout it's maybe some more mobility and, and some more body weight type of stuff just hitting all the different planes and movements um, but there's i mean there's so many different factors that go into it and i think experience is a big part of that and just i love how he we have like a standard three workouts that we do and rotate through and understanding that i need to hit each one but there are different points and times when I can utilize them and they're all interchangeable, which is also the great part. It kind of gives, you know, my analogy is he gives me the, the piece of paper with a shape on it and then I can color the shape. He's not saying I have to color it a certain color. Like he kind of gives me the freedom within a structure, which helps me perform best because there are certain days too, you know, I've learned as the season goes along the trap bar deadlift, pretty much hits every component of your body. And there's some days where it's a getaway day because Chicago is different with our day game schedule. I'll work out on getaway day and I'll go in there and legitimately do four sets of just trap bar and be done. That's it. 
Mm. And, you know, there's certain days where you go through a complete full body, uh, but him being able to kind of somewhat map out and send the different workouts and for me to know what, what to do is makes it really easy, you know, for me to stay on top of my stuff. So how has it changed with so many day games? So the biggest thing that I learned this past year was I started feeling like I was crazy for wanting to lift on getaway days. And I started talking to Nico and Ian about it. And they're like, there's no other way to do it. Because typically what I do is every second game of a series. So, you know, we have, we play, let's say Monday, Tuesday, we have a four game against the Cincinnati Reds. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. That Tuesday is when I aim to get a workout. Because Sunday, most likely, you had traveled back in. Monday, you play. And then Tuesday is typically the second day is typically the best day to get a workout in. So the next time usually would be, it'd be Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So it'd be that or that Saturday that I would try and get a second workout in. But because we have, we play Friday, Saturday, Sunday as day games. It's hard to work out after a day game Mm -hmm. to then turn around right into another day game. You see what I'm saying? Like the recovery time's not great. So typically what you do is you just work out after the game on Sunday before you go get on the bus to then, you know, go to the airport to travel. So that's been really the biggest adjustment for me is the whole day game schedule and trying to navigate through still getting my workouts in. Well, that'd probably be best too. Cause then I'm assuming that Monday after I could get away on a Sunday, you'd have a night game. Correct. So in theory you should, but then I see that's another weird part because now you're factoring in travel, you're mm-hmm. factoring in bus, plane, whatever, mm-hmm. get in the hotel. I mean, sleeping that, in a different environment. Like it's just kind of. And that's where I typically, like I said, I'll typically like really, really dull it down just in terms of the volume. It'll be more of just like, here's the trap bar, right? Yeah. Like I'm just going to lift the trap bar, you know, maybe four different times. If, it, if I'm feeling like it all, that'll be my only lower half. And then I'll move into some type of a push pull. And I'll be in the weight room for, you know, maybe 12 minutes. You know, people oh, okay. can't freeze. Like, I'm, I'm in there for 12 minutes. You know, like, it's Start like, warm up. get in there, get it <laughs> yeah. done. Yeah. Because, it because, yeah. Because you kind of have to, right? Yeah. Like, I'm putting pennies in the piggy bank. I'm not trying to. You know, right. I, I did. I've done all my work now for the season so that I can. I'm not trying to gain weight. Or, yeah, I'm just trying to maintain. Just trying to maintain. Maintain the movements and stay strong as long as I can throughout a year. And then we go into off season and reassess. That's very interesting. I just, like you were talking, uh, there's a difference in that in comparison to like an NFL athlete and how they maintain strength. And I just feel like there's so many ideas around, uh, strength training and stuff like that. Like you hear high school coaches, it's, it's a hot topic of, do you lift on game day or do you not? And no, it's it's a discussion that's gone on for a long time. Yeah, there's definitely the right ways to lift on game day. Like in the NBA, we lifted every game day. It wasn't a discussion. It wasn't even a thought. It's a different type of lift, though. Mm-hmm. You're not you're not getting close to max. You're not doing tons of volume. You're hitting kind of what Dan's were describing. You're getting in, getting out. Twenty minute workouts, thirty minute workouts max, um, because you're trying to maintain and you're trying to keep it. So that when you do get a day or two lighter that you can go a bit heavier, they're not going to get sore that day. That's the biggest mm-hmm. issue when you've got a season is if you do want to lift a bit heavier or a higher volume day, you just can't do one 
out of nowhere because then they can't move for three days afterwards and then everyone's upset the athletes upset coaches are upset everyone's pissed off so that's the thing you have to avoid is making sure that the athlete doesn't have a negative response to what looks like a good workout on paper but it was a bad workout at that time right and that's the most important part well that's what i like the one thing that he does such a good job of keeping in perspective is like my skill sport in the game still is the most important thing in the day now we're still wanting to do stuff that we can perform better in those games but if like he was saying if on paper it looks good but in essence it's going to take away from my performance or make me sore because the last thing any athlete wants is to be legitimately like workout sore yeah for a game i mean there's no there's honestly no worse feeling right so keeping that in perspective i think is is huge yeah and one of the the old or i guess the coach the last coach i coached for his thing was he called like he called it feel good friday so before the game we were lifting no matter what but how we were lifting was not anything strenuous it was more of enough to like get a small pump if you will to kind of make them the idea is you look good, feel good, play good in your jersey. Um, well, people say, like, do you work out on game days or whatever? I'm like, yeah, because we play every day. I was going to say nine months. <laughs> that you don't work out for nine months? Yeah. <laughs> like every freaking day is, is when we play. Yeah. So we have to. And it's just a mindset, too. I feel like once you – and you're just doing – just being consistent at what you're doing is going to allow that end result that you're mm-hmm. searching for, which – like you and I were talking before, it does not matter. Like if you're not consistent on your workouts, it doesn't matter if you're a professional athlete or just an average Joe going to the gym, you're not going to see results, right? right? And the reason I would argue that people get so sore is because they're not consistent. Correct. So you're not consistent and then all of a sudden you jump into the gym and you do even what you're supposed to be doing at a lower weight. And then you wake up the next day and you're like, Oh my gosh, you take three more days off. Yeah. And that's what we used to tell our athletes. Like you're not supposed to be like, our goal is not to make you sore. That's not it. We're building muscle to maintain and grow. And if you are sore, then it, there's some, something's not adding up. Now, obviously if you're just jumping into a program or whatever, then yes, your muscles are not used to that shock. But the idea How- that a good workout is defined by soreness is not a intelligent mentality. How long after the season until you start ramping up off-season stuff? Like, what yeah, do you usually take off? Typically, take we off? take, I would say, like a strong two weeks of doing nothing. And then... I, I like how we emphasize strong. 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 Yeah, strong. It's going to be two all of two weeks. Nothing, We're yeah. talking 14 days. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Every it's hour and a minute. And I usually, I usually am a mess, too, because I don't know what to do. But my body, as much as as much as I need to still do things and my body's kind of craving it, like I break it down so much for nine, nine and a half months so that I need a two week window to kind of let it heal itself. And then we start getting back into things and it's nothing crazy or like official, but you know, get on the Peloton, move around with some body weight stuff. I just ask him to sweat. I don't really care at that point. It's just sweat a little bit, get the high rate up a little bit, but do it in whatever's comfortable. Get the beach bod right. Exactly. Yeah, the off season. (laughs) Mexico, baby. Some of this, some push, you know, all that. The only time of the year he bench presses. But I think, I mean, (laughs) what I think I've been impressed with too is just our ability to collaborate on changes like this off season and especially this off season because 
I hate I hate conditioning, as do majority of people slash oh yeah, brother, Look baseball players. Yeah. Like yeah. it's not really our thing. We we did make it an emphasis this off season to run more, to do more versatile climber, to do more types of cardio activities. Uh, do you want to touch yeah. on that? No, no, for sure. I mean, the game's changed. So we've talked about it for the last two years a little bit. I mean, even from day one, we talked about it wasn't a, a, a strength of Dansby's or an enjoyment. Not It's not that he's not good at it. It's just yeah. not something he enjoys. And I understand it as a tennis player. Tennis players are better you know, conditioned in general than baseball players, but most good tennis players don't love long-distance running, that type of stuff. So they gravitate to intermittent sprints and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, baseball players are even more on that side. That's what gets them to be great baseball players is most of them. Uh, so we were talking about, you know, the game's getting faster. You're getting less recovery time between pictures, between innings or everything like that. You know, if you can get your cardio a little bit better, it's going to make you do your other stuff a little bit easier. And there was a bit of resistance, you know, dis- uh, through the discussion, which is normal. Well, it was an open discussion. Yeah, it was, an, it, it was yeah. a good discussion. But, I mean... They're like, since I'm going to be like... Dangerous, I'm wait, you want me, Am I choosing one A or B? Or I'm do- is that... Oh, this I is what we're... I just want to be clear. Yeah. We're doing both of these. Today? Yeah, so, so <laughs> from that... St- and that happened that quite shit. a few times. He's like, yeah, it was like six or seven different things. And he's like, do I pick three? I mean, that came <laughs> back a few times. Because he thought it was too much. Um, but he actually embraced it really well. And he actually started, I think, asking I, for it. I, yeah. He's getting yeah. old. Yeah. Uh, he's a veteran. But yeah, I mean, the, the conditioning this year, I really for the first time probably in my career just embraced it and we started it earlier uh, did some you know circuit stuff around it whether it was some intermittent sprint stuff with maybe maybe I that's when I'm doing my shoulder care for the day is along with the cardio whether it's some band work some stability some core stability just different things you know whether it's even wrist uh, strengthening doing that with some of the cardio, like kind of give me some things that I kind of enjoy to pair with what I don't. Um, then honestly, there's some days and I really do think there's some value to it is some days just suck. I was talking to some high school kids the other day. I'm like, you, you guys act like every single day. Like I love baseball. I'd love the prep for it, but there are some days that just suck and it's a grind. It, I mean, there's no other way to really phrase it and you just embrace it. And I think, in the off season, some of the stuff we've done is almost helped that mentality. Like there are certain days, like he was alluding to, when he sends me a intermittent like uh, sprint kind of circuit on the treadmill paired with a versa climber, and I'm like, whoa, no, 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 I'm one doing, other, I'm right? doing one or the other, right? And it's like, no, you're doing both, but you just kind of embrace it. It sucks, but you get done with it, you're better for it, yeah, physically, but also mentally. You know, mentally. And I think that that's something that he's done. A lot and it was me. helpful for me to know Dansby for a few years before adjusting this because I knew what he liked, what he didn't. And it was like, let's find the stuff that can work within his environment. And then there's a whole field of research called adversity memetics. You can look it up. It's basically doing hard stuff, even if you don't want to, and how you adapt and your mind adapts and your body adapts. So you don't want to do too much of that because then you, won't, you probably will break down. But having it interspersed, you know, once a week, do something that's really something you don't want to do, uh, that provides a lot of value above and beyond the physical aspects mm-hmm. of it. It's kind of like the cold plunge, right? Mm-hmm. I was like, say that's leg day for me. 
<laughs> that is funny. No, I mean, but that's, I think that's part of making a well-rounded athlete and what he's done so well for me is in such subtle ways. Cause we obviously all know Mark and nicest guy and best guy in the world, but the subtle like jabs and things that he does to challenge me to kind of say like, kind of like you're better than that. Or, you know, like you can, you can, what do you mean? You can't do that. Yeah, it's a good it, coach. It takes my like competitive spirit and fire and just like makes me want to up my level. Um, he's not like a big rah-rah person and I appreciate that. Uh, and I also just love the, the trust that we have with one another because obviously he's got a lot of other things going on and people he works with and, and companies that he does things for. So when he's not around, I can still get the same level of work in mm. by myself and you know be able to challenge myself when you know no one's watching right and i think the big part is is the the trust component yes but you also know you're not doing something like you're never going to do something that's not geared towards getting you towards mm-hmm. the end goal like we were just talking conditioning and we were talking during the workout this uh, idea of running for punishment which if you talk about psychology mental warfare We've, we've the reason the reason together. you view yeah, yeah the reason we all view punishment yeah running is punishment for because that's what play, it was for poor play yeah for poor play Which but is, and you were punished at, i mean how many times as a there. kid did you know you're at practice and we're fumbling ground balls and a coach says all right next person to fumble a ground ball you're going to touch fence holes yeah, or on the line. We're running bow and arrows. Like, it is what it is. And so in our brain, we've been conditioned to think conditioning equals bad. When, like, we talked with Brum, we're not doing conditioning as – like, you're not making him condition because he's like, all right, I'm sick of him. You know, we're going to get after him today. Yeah. We're doing it because we need to do it to be in – to get to where we want to be. It's not a punishment. It's a we have to do this to get to – And it's a huge training component. Yeah. like – just like hitting baseballs, just like lifting weights, conditioning is a huge part of the game. And it's getting more important because of how the game's adapting, trying to speed it up. You have to be able to recover between plays, you know, and, and, and you know, faster. And some guys, I think, are probably getting challenged with that. You're probably hearing more about it. Certain guys are feeling the difference in how the game's changing. Absolutely. I mean, I was one of those guys early. It kind of it took me a while, and, and even towards the end of the year, things just got faster because not only was the pace of play faster, but there is something to be said about being able to reset, Mm. you know, after you foul a pitch off this, that, and the other, what happens fast now. Mm -hmm. So part of, you know, I even told Mal this year, I'm like, I was like, I can't believe I'm saying this because we know how much I hate it, but I need to get in better shape. I need to condition this. I was going to ask how much Mal played a role into this conditioning. She's like, oh yeah, that'd be great for you. I've been telling you that. that should, you know, I've been, I'm like, I know. Coming you from have. a soccer player, he's like the best condition yeah. athlete. She's like, what'd you do today? And I'm, I always, I'm like, I do not want to tell you what yeah. I did today. I uh, lifted the hex bar six times. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, I ran a couple sixty yards. But no, I mean, it, it's, it really is. I wouldn't have thought this three years ago necessarily that I needed to legitimately like run and do things to get in better shape for the game of baseball. It was usually more along the lines of I didn't want to do it, so I should probably do it just for more of the mental component. But I really do think it's going to be a, a beneficial for me this season. Well, the game's changing. Like you talk about working with golfers, the, the golfing game changed 
what I mean, uh, probably early two thousands as far as weightlifting. Would you yeah, say? Yeah, I mean, Tiger changed. Tiger changed. David that. Duval and Tiger Woods were the two that really prioritized getting in great shape, and now everyone is just standard mm-hmm. because the data shows it as well. They hit yeah. further. You know, they're they're able to you know shorten the courses for them. Um, so there's definitely a huge push, and everyone's seen it now. It's commonplace. It's normal. Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably where baseball was 30 years ago. Right. And that's what and I'm saying. Uh, if like, if you watch full swing documentary, those guys play 18, it, which yeah. it, if you, a lot of, uh, I mean, I call us cart warriors, but if you walk 18, it's it, different. it is way different in way how your body feels and fuel. And then they're going in their complete gear to the gym and lifting how you would lift. And Rory's like, Oh, you know, Getting it in today, yeah. like I got to. Like even though I just shot four over and I'm pissed, I have to mm-hmm. get it in today because I'm preparing for tomorrow or whatever. Which is just so interesting. We're talking about like heart rate and variability and all of that. Like seeing, uh, like the whoop athletes like Rory and JT and all them. Like they'll have like Rory's like whoop stats like as he's going throughout the day and like the spikes and the lows and then his ability to manage his heart rate being up because of physical exertion, walking up the hill, whatever. And then you have and, a big time big shot, time anxiety, and then you see his heart rate just drop. And it's like, he's locked in. And that's, that is a huge like reset or people quick pitching you. Mm-hmm. Like you, you can't get comfortable. You're feeling some sort of anxiety. You already, maybe you're kind of tired. You fouled off one. You had ran down to first. Like, well, I think th- that especially because it's, with nobody on, it's a 15 second clock. Mm-hmm. You foul it off. Sometimes you foul one off and you kind of like, you know, are falling gotta, around a yeah, little bit. Yeah, regain your balance. I'm telling you, I give the umpire a hard time all the time because I'm like, you and the catcher, y'all are trying to do world's quickest relay back here because it's like foul ball <laughs> in the glove as soon as the pitcher gets the ball. Dansby's chasing his helmet. Yeah. Umpire, as soon, you foul as soon one off. Umpire's already no, got one loaded. As soon as the, the catcher, going pitcher, when the pitcher yeah. catches it, I mean, the clock's counting down. I got to be back in the box right then. So, after being physically like readjusted to mentally to mentally mm-hmm. to flush it and then also kind of set up your game what plan I'm, yeah for what i'm about to do it's quick man and i'm telling I, you like dang. early on i remember the catcher we'd just look at each other cracking up because i'm like man i ain't in shape for this like i'm tired <laughs> trying to hit a baseball like well, i've never seen this and i wish we would have talked to max about that because that's a whole nother strategic component to the game now mm-hmm. because you found one off like me knowing that you're tired and going through all of that, oh, I'm going to be, I want that next pitch to come now. Like and I it, want it to be. And I was going to say the mental part, especially on defense, like you're, I like to think with the pitcher, think with what we're trying to do so I can. Situational. You know, yeah, situational, yeah. all these things. Usually there used to be a pitch, you kind of like readjust and then be back in the play. You could go off, on, off, on, you know, but it, it, it was more like off, on, off, on now it's kind of off on off on off on so it's just there's there's it's so much more of a challenge i would say mentally and physically than it has been before and i think that that's something that you know we really address this off season is how can we evolve we've been good yeah for the last three years but how can we evolve to be better the game. this next season yeah and the game changes i mean mm-hmm. you know the greats always adapt mm-hmm. and you have to if you want to be the best at it because the rules are changing the environments are changing um so you know managing stress really is what we're talking about how do you go from you know that elevated heart rate 
to dropping that heart rate in 15 seconds. And in most sports, that's the skill that the best have better than anyone. You know, they're able to adapt quicker from a high or a low and get back to neutral as quick as possible. Uh, the la- I mean, one of the last things I'll say too, just about our work is the best people that I've worked with come from Mark too. You know, that's part of his gig that I think he does so well is certain things that is are not his specialty, he puts me in touch with. So the nutritionist I used, uh, different PTs I, that Mal and I have used, um, Mal and I kind of use the same people. Um, she works out with him. We do nutrition with the same person, PT with the same person. A lot of that stems from kind of his tree, if you will. And so that's been a huge help as well because performance is more than just the mm-hmm. the weight room stuff, mm. more than the conditioning. You know, it's a lot of the nutrition, the maintenance, the massages, all those kinds of things. And he's done a really good job of helping us form connections and being able to trust his opinion and who he's putting us with has really made a difference. I know when we started working with uh, Aura, the nutritionist, that was in 2022. The healthiest I've been, the most I've kept weight on, you know, all these different things we were able to accomplish and evolve that as well throughout the year. So, you know, I give a lot of kudos to him in that regard of just putting us in touch with the people that we need to be as successful as we can get because we only have a short window mm-hmm. realistically in our lives to, you know, leverage these kinds of moments. And he's done such a good job of making sure that we're prepared for those things. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing in my entire career working with athletes, we've always had a performance team around them, whether it's in a team sport or whether it's an individual athlete. You know, these athletes are exceptional for a number of reasons, but there's a lot of things they need on a regular basis and in different cities as well. So a lot of the time it's, you know, who who do we connect with there or there? Unfortunately, I've been in enough environments where you've got a pretty good Rolodex of folks that you can call and text and say, hey, I need someone in Minnesota or mm-hmm. I need someone in, in wherever, in LA. And we, we've got a network of quality people and everyone sort of trusts each other that, you know, you're working in that small world of professional elite athletes. You, you know what they need. You know they need privacy. They need quality. They need to make sure that it's done the right way. And that's important. I mean, there's no, there's no other way to do it. Yeah. Any last thoughts you want to touch on? I have a question. What is your favorite sport to train? Me? Do you have one? Yeah. That's that's two different. I, I what are the favorite athletes in which sport to work with? I would say the the women's soccer players okay. are by far because they can do everything. You can run them and they love it, and you can lift them heavy and they Sickos. love it. Yeah, they're mentally yeah. no, they're they're, no, for they're like <laughs> they're sad. They're they're built different in some of those ways. Literally. Like, and they 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 embrace the suck better than it's like a cross country runner. They they embrace the suck. Except better they don't than, love lifting most of the time. They don't yeah. they don't love lifting, but Mal is like fully kind of seeing the benefits of it, and but they embrace it like they. That's the thing. All. I'll be honest. I'll complain with the best of them when it comes to doing stuff I don't want to do. Gotten a little bit better at it this year. Yeah, but like they just Okay, fine. Like they just embrace it. <laughs> they they really do embrace the suck. 
And then the tennis players are tough as well. They're tough as nails. People don't understand at the highest levels the amount of workload they do. Oh my Soccer gosh. players and tennis players, to me, have about the most workload on a, on a weekly basis because of their environments and what they need to do to train. Yeah, we... We, Even though I love the baseball guys, yeah. but they're a little easier for me to train because you know exactly what you're focused on. You don't have a lot of um, need to adjust because you know the position, you know approximately you know how many at-bats you get, you know approximately how many throws you're going to have within a small, narrow window. So you know what you're training for. Right. Yeah. And these other sports, you don't, there's a lot of reactivity. It could be two sets, three sets, yeah. five sets, could be... You yeah, know, you tennis guys. Yeah. Adaptability. And they, we... We tennis, learned that's a whole nother podcast. Oh, dude. Tennis schedules. We learned very quickly. Year. We just picked up pickleball <laughs> and we were playing singles. We went we were playing doubles a lot. And then we started playing singles as like, you it's know, different. just different. us competing. And we're like and that's half the size court. And then we play like four or five points and we're, you know, sucking wind and <laughs> we're like, Can you imagine? I'm also a being washed thirty year old now. Yeah, so. But they're thirty year old tennis players who <laughs> get out there like Serena's playing pregnant. And you know what I mean? Like in just how in shape they have to be. We're playing on a small little baby court. I mean, anybody who wants a problem can come see us. Yeah, but I mean, we, regardless. Sometimes Lewis Park open. <laughs> yeah. But no, that's all I got. No, I mean, that's just kind of, I'm, I'm really glad that he was able to come on just to kind of give some insight of what we do, why we do what we do, how it's helped me and my performance. And, you know, he's been a big part of, obviously my success and keep me on the field and keep me on the field healthy. Uh, as we always say, the best abilities, availability. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, a lot of credit goes to him for that. So thanks for coming on. Yeah. No, thank, you, Mark. Th- thank you guys for having me. And it's, and it's been a privilege, you know, working with Dansby is such a, a good, solid person does what he says he's going to do. Makes my life easy. We both have kind of crazy schedules, so it works for us. And yeah, you know, I'm excited to see what this year brings as well.